This is the Jet Up Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Jet Up Podcast. I haven't done an episode since Coach Sala was hired, uh, but not much going on in the offseason. Feels like the longest offseason in my entire life as we all wait uh, and argue and debate over what's going to happen in this year's NFL draft for the Jets. I'm here with my co-host, Ryan. Ryan, why don't you say what's up? What's going on? Draft week. Very excited. Um, Obviously, the Jets, uh, the Super Bowl is the draft for for us our whole life. So, very exciting uh, week this week. Yeah, no, I'm definitely happy the the draft is finally here in a couple days. So, we wanted to make sure we got a podcast out uh, to give a little bit of a draft preview, some of the things we're feeling. Um, things we're seeing all over the place and give our own opinions as to what we think might happen. Um, But first I just want to quickly touch on uh, Sam Darnold. He's gone since our last podcast. He is no longer with the New York jets. I just want to give a moment of silence here for Sam Darnold. Okay. That's long enough. Goodbye, Sammy. (laughs) Sam Ryan, I know was uh, we were very excited about Sam about three years ago. Um, it's, it's a little disheartening that he didn't work out for us. And it makes me less, uh, excited about drafting another quarterback, but at the same time, you know, it was time to move on. Um, I'm glad he landed in Carolina, um, with, with a good, good organization, good coach, some playmakers around him. I think he'll do a lot better there. I don't know if he'll ever turn into a top 10 quarterback, but, uh, I am happy where he landed, uh, just for his sake, I think. He was a great kid. He always handled himself well in New York, um, but it was time for him to, to get a fresh start and for us to get a fresh start. Yeah, I agree. Um, Sam was a lot of fun to watch, um, obviously, you know, early on. Uh, it kind of got worse as it went on, but you wish nothing but the best for him. I think he seems like a pro- true professional, um, and it'd be hard for me to see him not do – you know, he'll have some improvement um, with all the different players around him and – and uh, the talent and the coaching staff. So I, I wish him the best. Um, I hope he does really well. And obviously he's going to because we're the Jets and he's going to become the best quarterback in the league. And uh, that's just how it works for us. So, Yeah, it's, it seems that way, right? No matter where, you know, how players do with us, they always seem to do better elsewhere. Uh, Leonard Williams, a prime example of that. So um, anyway, we're going to move on from Sam here. Sam, best of luck to you. Go, go, go kill it with the Panthers and Matt Rule. Um, and, and it's time for us to, to start over here. So without further ado, uh, I just want to jump into some of our predictions and, and, and feelings on this quarterback class, because that's obviously the headline for the Jets this time around. So um, obviously no prospect, Ryan, is without flaws. So I'm not going to go and say that anyone thinks that, you know, that a prospect, that any of these prospects have no flaws. Um, but I'm curious to to get your thoughts on this. Fans seem to be, at least from what I've seen, completely ignoring any of Zach Wilson's flaws or not even bringing up any negatives about this kid, um, at least most of the time, um, and are getting very, very caught up in in some of these highlight tapes and things he does that are really, you know, unique and and different and give him, uh, you know, a little bit of intrigue, throwing all over the map and and the way he moves around in the pocket and throws off – off platform and all these different things. Um, I do get a little worried about some of his flaws. Um, I think he still has a ton of upside, obviously, and 
having a high completion percentage, low turnovers, um, leading his team to a great season, you know, are all great things. And, you know, his character, apparently people talk highly of him. Um, but concerned what you think about Zach Wilson, because obviously you and I think are both not as sold on him yet and need a little bit more convincing um, as, as you know, he comes into the league. Um, yeah, I think, I think, um, like you said, no prospect is perfect unless his name is Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think Zach Wilson, you know, could be really good. Um, but if we do what we did, you know, which I don't think we are, if we do what to him, what we did to Sam, nobody can be successful. So, um, I think he's got a lot of, a lot of upside. Um, I always have an issue that when the, when the college football season ends, um, you know, we kind of see where guys are at on a on a mock draft board and, and rankings and things like that. And then as time goes on where no downs are played um, in a game, you know, things start to switch around. So for whatever reason, um, you know, guys are falling down the board. You know, Zach Wilson is kind of stock has risen um, a little bit out of nowhere. Um, so, again, that is a little bit of a concern, but. You got to believe, like, I really think that Daniel Jeremiah does a great job. I think that, you know, Steve Young is very close with BYU and and has a lot of connections and knows what talent is. And if they're continually saying how good this kid is, you know, I'm in- inclined to believe them. Um, I just, to me, it's hard to see what happens at the end of an actual season. You know, months go by and the, the board just changes every day. So that's what I don't really get what's changing. Um, I never really get it you know, as the years go on, um, you know, I don't know. There's probably more that they know. Hopefully, you know, they're giving us good information, but all we can do as a fan is whoever we take, we're going to hope that he's, you know, legitimate and can, can take us to the next level. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's one thing I've been wondering sort of like this meteoric rise for Zach Wilson, where this guy was on nobody's radar, obviously before last season, he wasn't actually even named the starter until the season began coming off of uh, some injuries, things like that. Obviously had a great year, but uh, once, you know, when the the college football playoffs were going on, people were still saying it's a Lawrence and and Fields, you know, are, are, you know, basically vying for those top picks. And, you know, they were the clear cut number one and two. Um, Fields seemingly played to, to a level that should have only helped him in those last two, two games against the biggest competition. Um, and yet still continues to fall in the offseason for reasons people can't seem to explain. And Zach Wilson, who, you know, was not being talked about as much at that time, has now obviously risen way up on, on boards and seems like a foregone conclusion that the Jets will take him. Um, it is a little curious. I think obviously these interviews, these pro days apparently play more of an impact than we maybe expected. Um, at the end of the day, I watch game film and I watch full game film. Um, highlight tapes are fun, but they're only the good plays. So after watching Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, every throw that they made in 2020, because that's what I do because I'm a loser, um, I, I watched <laughs> all of the throws they made. It's not to say Wilson was bad at all, but there was a lot of concerning underthrown balls uh, in the short field, uh, on the long balls. Um, you know, he's, he's just, he doesn't make as many great throws, um, throughout the game that you see on these highlight tapes. So I I get a little bit worried about that, a little bit worried about his injury history, uh, of having multiple surgeries, 
especially on the, the throwing shoulder. Um, and then I know we've, we've had some concerns about him not being named captain by his teammates. Yes, he was eventually promoted to captain when one of the teammates uh, got injured um, and when Zach won the starting job. Uh, but at the same time, it's a little concerning. Um, and then um, just, just, just wondering what you think about all these things and how, regardless of all those things being present, it doesn't seem like it's hurting his draft stock at all. Um, whereas Justin Fields, I just don't know what happened to this guy. Like, it doesn't seem anything bad, actually. Like, he didn't do anything bad. He didn't he had great pro days. Sounds like he's extremely smart when talking to coaches. Played at the highest level against the best competition. Has freak athleticism. Is the fastest quarterback since RG3. Um, so trying to understand sort of what's going on here. And in, now you're seeing people even not mocking Fields to, to, to the 49ers at three or you know, you're seeing Mac Jones or Trey Lance come up to that spot in mock drafts. So it's just very confusing to me. Yeah, I saw him fall. I mean, it's, he, you're right. He didn't do anything to hurt himself. I thought he only helped himself. Um, again, I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. Um, I, I think people tend to overlook things. Um, you know, we'll see. Obviously, there's a, there's a big speculation if he can't read a defense – um, I've seen multiple claims that he can obviously read a defense, uh, pass his first read. Um, so I think with good coaching and good players, he'll be great. Um, again, sometimes these guys are spot on with these analysis. So maybe he is, you know, not as great as everybody thinks. I think he's legit. I think he's, uh, it reminds me of Dak, Dak Prescott a little bit. Um, we'll see. Um, uh, but I definitely think that, you know, these quarterbacks, you know, when you talk about the top six, you know, I think you're you're looking at maybe two to three being really good and then the other ones, you know, being average to, you know, bust. So that's typically how it works. I mean, as far as, you know, if you look back to the last couple of drafts, you know, there's, you know, there's about three or four of them um, and, you know, about 50 percent or whatever it is uh, turn out to be legitimate starting quarterbacks in the league for a long time. So we're just hoping that whoever we take, you know, is the right guy. So we'll see. Yeah. I think, I think with, with Fields, Lawrence uh, and, and Wilson, all three are the least risky probably out of who is on the board this year. I think that's what you, all you can do is go for people who you think have the least amount of risk, um, you know, and, and hopefully give you a chance. It, it is always going to be a risk and you're never going to know probably until year two or three, whether that player is going to turn into anything. Right. Um, you know, as we saw with Darnold, year three really showed us he was not going to be the guy. Um, I, I get this gut feeling that Wilson is not the right pick, but uh, you know what? I had a gut feeling that Darnold was a great pick. So right. at the end of the day, it, you're just, nobody you're knows just not right know. now. Yeah, you're just not going to know. And it's only you're only as good as your your players around you and your coaching staff. Like obviously, you can have guys that elevate other players, but. Um, do I think Sam Darnold would have been better off on a different team? Yeah, I do. I think he would have had a better career. Do I think Josh Allen would be what Josh Allen is if he was drafted by the Jets? No. So I think it's all, um, debatable and it's all, you know, um, it's all different based on, you know, who drafts you. So, I mean, if, if Salah, Salah and, uh, Douglas Wanham, I mean, we're going to see what it is. And if he's not good, you know, see you, Joe Douglas, see you, Robson. Like, you know, they're putting their whole future on this next pick. So, you know, you'd like to think they, they're pretty confident. 
Absolutely. No, I, I, that's a great point. I think it really does matter where you land. I think that's, you know, whoever says you can overcome any situation, you know, I, I think it's just not totally true unless you're some insane prospect. I mean, I think even Trevor Lawrence is going to really struggle to turn Jacksonville around. So, you know, I think that's going to, he would be in a better situation coming into the Jets right now with the coaching staff and the, the offensive coordinator and, and, some, and all the picks that they have. Um, so I think, you know, Jacksonville is actually going to hurt him. So it's a good point. I think, you know, Josh Allen is a great example because that guy was not good his rookie season and really wasn't spectacular his sophomore season either. But all of a sudden is, is turned into one of the best quarterbacks in, in football because of, you know, the way he's been developed and the talent they've put around him. Um, so I, I do think that Zach Wilson, if he's the guy that comes in, is going to be in a much better situation. It's, it could take another year for that situation to really get to where it needs to be. But at least he has a great coach, a great offensive coordinator, um, and a GM that is hopefully going to continue to build around him in a way that McCagnan and, uh, you know, and others did not. So, you know, I do think what Wilson, if he is the guy, it sounds like he's going to be the guy, you know, is going to be supported in a better way uh, and in a better scheme. Um, he obviously has some really awesome traits. I just really hope he continues to to remain healthy, um, you know, to to turn those plays into consistent performance and not just have these splashy plays every once in a while, similar to Darnold. So, you know, I'm excited for that. Um, uh, you know, I am ready to, to move to the next chapter here. Um, you know, at the same time, my choice would be Justin Fields. I think he, he brings a uniqueness to this game. Um, that Zach Wilson does not in terms of his athletic ability uh, and his durability. Um, you know, and I do think the reports about him not being able to read various coverages uh, is just not true. Um, I think he does need to work on throwing the ball away and take less sacks and, you know, progress through his reads probably a little bit faster. Um, but at the same time, I, I think those things are really yeah, fixable. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the only reason I know I have a strong inclination that they're not going to take him is because, um, if they were high on both of them, they would just try to move back a spot or two. And because then they could have their, you know, they'd be fine with whoever is left. I think the fact that they're not budging at two means they're going to take their, the guy that they want. So I, I don't think that they're, you know, really trying to, you know, get cute with it and try to move back and anything like that. Meaning they know who they want. The pick is already in, in their minds. Uh, since Sam is gone. So they know what they want. They're going to move forward. I really believe with Zach Wilson, I'd be shocked if they took anybody else besides him because I feel like at that point you could just move back and then have your pick of, you know, whoever's left. So I think it's going to be Wilson. I'm fine with it. Um, I just hope that, you know, this year we could be competitive. And, you know, playoffs or not, I don't know if playoffs is even realistic, but I just want to be competitive and, and watch football where I'm not rooting for losses anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, we're tired of that. Um, I think you make a good point. I do think they know who they're picking. I don't think it's a question. Um, I don't, you know, I think I, I would not be as shocked if they took Fields, if Fields was that guy, just because of the way Joe Douglas talks about quarterbacks he looks for. He mentioned he looks for these sort of intangibles, like athleticism, um, you know, and durability and things like that, which I think actually – fits fields more than it fits it's Wilson, but um, all signs still point to them taking Wilson. You know, I think that that is what's going to happen. Um, you know, 
I think Justin Fields is going to have an excellent career and people are probably going to wonder why all these teams let him drop on the board. Um, I think this guy is going to be phenomenal. I think he'll be legit. Um, The one thing I have been hearing and I do agree with it is that um, quarterbacks that throw the ball that look effortless is very um, intriguing. So Zach Wilson's effortless, you know, throwing motion and things like that are very like unteachable, which is you can't really teach the talent like that. So he definitely is an exciting pick. And obviously we're going to support him and and, and be excited for him. Um, I think that, there's still a lot more concerns outside quarterback um, that they need to address um, later in the draft. Um, And that's to me is primarily offensive line. Yeah. So let's jump into that. So we won't get too much into the other quarterbacks. I think it's either fields or Wilson, probably Wilson. Um, This whole talk about Mac Jones being this stud, I think is probably overblown. I, I would be shocked if the 49ers took him, but you know what? Crazier things have happened. But let's move into the next pick. So we, we're assuming that we're taking a quarterback, obviously, at number two. Um, at number 23, do you think we'll stick at 23? Do you think we'll try to move up? I know Joe Douglas said he sort of looked at those types of move-up scenarios. Um, you know, um, he doesn't usually do that. He usually stockpiles. But, you know, if he loves a guy at 15, let's say, and, and we're at 23 and he has the assets, obviously, because he's accumulated picks, do you think he'll move up or do you think he'll stick I think I think he'll definitely move up because um, Damian Woody had a great tweet. Um, I really agreed with. He said they got so many picks in the next two years, and not all of those guys are going to make the roster. So you want to get as as high of a level prospect as you can with the amount of picks you have, and the amount of picks is important because you can move up for a better player uh, or at least a better you know prospect. Um, so I think. Using those picks that he accumulated through a couple different trades last year, um, you know, getting rid of guys and things like that to to move up, um, I think he definitely will consider that. My dream scenario, obviously a lot of Jeff fans might disagree with me, um, but I think I would package 23 and 34, and I don't even know if it's enough, but imagine 23 and 34 to move up into like the top 12 or so would be kind of nice to get a big playmaker or, or a lineman. Um, obviously, I don't even know if that's enough to get up to that high, but um, obviously keeping those picks is also another great way to, to build. I think he's going to move around. I think mid-round is, is more of where he's going to move around, to be honest with you. I think, you know, second and third round he could move up. Um, I don't see him – he could potentially move up to about 15, but I don't see him going higher than that because then it's going to – after you get to the top 15, the pre, the asking price gets a little bit – uh, wild, unless he's absolutely in love with a guy that he needs to pair with Zach Wilson. So, um, the only way I see him moving up is if it's for um, somebody that he feels is, is a legitimate player on offense that will come in and be a day one stud. Um, I don't know what he's looking for. Obviously, we have you know a lot of needs, but um, I think that offensive line should be the the. I believe the offensive line should be the second pick in the first draft. Um, and I wouldn't even mind doubling up at 34, um, just because we've, we have nobody besides Mackay Becton. So, um, I mean, George Fant's solid, McGovern's solid, but our guards are just so, uh, inconsistent that it bothers me. And I think that our receivers are decent enough as long as he addresses the offensive line, which again, he said he's going to rebuild the offensive line and he basically got one above average player. 
So I know it's early, but he needs to start making moves. Yeah, I do. It's a little concerning. So when you look at Joe Douglas in the offseason, he's definitely made some great acquisitions um, with Carl Lawson and Corey Davis. I think the biggest concern is how he's not really addressed that O-line. I mean, they, they showed these O-line signings as if it's some big deal, but, you know, these guys are backups that he's brought in so far. Um, they are not better than the bad guards that we currently have. So, you know, I think he, he needs to address it in this draft. Um, at the same time, you hear these reports, or he, he actually came at Joe Douglas and said, you know, he's not going to prioritize need over best player available. So I think, you know, uh, sometimes that's a good idea. Uh, sometimes you run into issues when you do that because we also you did select, that you select 20 defensive tackles in a row and safeties and these players that, you know, don't really help your roster. They just add more bodies to your roster, um, you know, that can't really move that needle. So I get a little nervous with, with what he's done so far. Um, I would not be shocked if he – traded up for Elijah Vera Tucker um, or Tevin Jenkins on the O-line. I think those are the only two guys at that point in the first round where you would, you know, from 15 to 23, where you would say, you know, they're worth that pick. Um, I still think they're probably a little bit overvalued right now, especially Tevin Jenkins. Um, I think that guy was like a projected fourth round pick, like at the start of the offseason is now a projected first round pick, has not played it down since then. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about that one. Um, and then you have these other positions like corner that are obviously big needs, but I would actually be a little bit shocked if he went for a corner. I think um, he's probably going to rely a little bit more on Salah's defensive scheme and, and you know, um, edge rush that he's hopefully built here with, with Lawson and Rankins and Quennan, um, you know, to actually put a little bit more pressure at, uh, on the, the quarterback and take that pressure off the corners. Um, hopefully he brings in a, a veteran like Richard Sherman or someone like that. Um, but I, I honestly, a corner at 23 would not really excite me that much. I think it's a need pick. Um, but if you do, do see him move up, I think it will be for either Vera Tucker or potentially, like you said, if you can get even into the top 12, someone like uh, Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle or these guys that'll actually make a real difference to your offense. Right. And Beyond I think that, that I don't see him going that high because I, I think, you know, uh, Sewell and, and Slater and those guys are probably going to be gone early. Jamar Chase is going to be gone. Pitts is going to be gone. So I think, you know, it's probably either if, if they're just if Devonta Smith somehow slips, maybe we go after him. But if if he doesn't, I think it's probably going to be O-line. Uh, a lot of people mocking edge rushers to the Jets at 23. It's a very like fluid mock position for the Jets. Like you see yeah. so many different positions getting mocked. There. I think so I think who he probably knows the, the three guys he's interested in at that position and in the draft and has already made up his mind who those guys are. Um, so I would not be shocked though if he went defense. Uh, at that yeah, I think I think you know part a big part of me just wants them to go full offense all the way because I think all I hear every day about the Jets is how many holes and position of need that they have. And if you really look at the defense, um, to me, they're missing a corner. To, that that's like as far as the front four, we're very solid. Uh, our linebackers are solid. Um, our safeties are solid with May, and you know we'll see about Davis. And then our corners. You know, we have a couple young guys there, but we need – if you just sign a guy like Sherman or, or something like that, 
Um, I really don't think our defense is, has a huge need for for imp- like. Of course, we can always improve, but I think people overreact to how many holes we have because our defense is literally a corner away from being solid. Um, offensively, I think we need guards. I think I think we need guards. I think we need um, some receivers you can groom to be really good. You know, I just don't. I just I'm I'm so tired of hearing how bad the roster is because it's not great, but it's not t- it's not the worst roster in football. I think there's there's ways to after the draft, especially really bolster, uh, you know, make it a lot better. And I think obviously that's a pretty broad statement, but I think there's we have the picks to immediately improve. So I, I just every every year for like five years, and and they've been true for about three or four years. But right now, everyone's there's so many holes. We have to trade back. Tra- I think we're not that far from winning. You know, not eight to nine games. Like as long as you make the make some solid picks but i i just can't with this we're three years away from competing i can't anymore well yeah there's also like that like we've always talked about there is a misconception on how many off seasons it should take a gm doesn't take the roster you know you see these teams turn around two years to three years max so i think joe douglas this is his second full off season um obviously they were a two-win team last year they were also coached by adam gase and had the 32nd ranked quarterback in the league. So, you know, I mean, I'm not shocked we won two games. We're going um, to improve. I think you need to com- be competitive this year and win seven or eight. And then the following year, you got to make the playoffs. And if you don't, then we're not going in the right direction. Yeah, no. And I think ultimately this draft is going to determine that. So I think yes, this, this is, is a very, very important draft. I said somebody today, I said, you ready for the – it's the biggest draft in – uh our life and they and he and the person said um they said we've said that for for the last 50 years so which is not wrong um but you know hopefully this will this will uh be promising yeah i i think he can really he can add some really solid positions in this draft you know the draft is where you build a true long-term winner um, I think this is his opportunity to do that. Uh, if he blows this, we'll be bad for another five years. That's the bottom line. If he doesn't blow it, we could be good by 2022, you know, and lit- literally good, literally competing for a playoff spot uh, year in and year out as we continue to improve the roster uh, through the draft and through youth. Um, at the same time, I think he missed some opportunities to bring in proven starting guards and centers, um, you know, within the free agency pool. I think, you sometimes just have to bring in a guy just to, to hold you over while you fill other positions that are stronger in the draft. Uh, I think, you know, once, once you get, you know, into the draft, you could miss out on those guys. Whereas in free agency, you have the money, you know, to do it. Uh, and that's why you have that cap room. So I think occasionally it's okay to overpay. I don't think it should be your strategy, but I think it's occasionally okay. And you have to do it, especially when you're not a good organization. Um, so I think there's the occasional, uh, you know, justification for overpaying and free agency. Um, but hopefully he gets it right in this draft. So so we think essentially 23 is probably up in the air. We're not, not really sure what he's going to do there. Uh, at 34, is, is 34 an acceptable position to take a running back? I think I've seen the Jets mocked Najee Harris and Travis Etienne twice now. I've seen um, two or three times I've seen that as the, the mock to the Jets. Uh, at 34, uh, occasionally I've seen it at 23, and you know I, I understand fans don't think running back is a as big of a need for us. But at the same time, when's the last time we had a truly good running back? 
I mean, it's been probably uh, at least since, 10 years, in, you know, Thomas Jones, you know, yeah. Sean, like that time period, like, you know, when's the last time we had a guy that could run, you know, run through somebody or was out there for three downs. I know this scheme is it's meant to have a lot of pass catching running backs and these, these kinds of guys, but you, you do still need a lead back. You know, these guys are not that serviceable on our roster. I think they're okay, you know, but they're, they're not going to win you football games. So I think, you know, what, what are your thoughts on looking at a Harris or a ETN? Those are the uh, only either, two I'd consider you know, at 23. I would not take a running back at 23. Um, I would take – if those two guys are available at 34, I would. Um, I'd take a look at them. Um, the only reason – I mean, and I love those two guys. Those are the only exceptions in my opinion. Um, but the only reason I wouldn't is because you really – when you draft a running back, you're getting them for about three years. Um, and as exciting as it is and, and as explosive as they are, which is a huge reason I would want them – um, you get them for about three years and then you got to pay them and they really don't play 16 games, you know, consistently. Um, that's why I always kind of, you know, have a hard time believing, like I have a hard time supporting that Saquon was worth the second pick because he's barely, he's been hurt all the time and he's a exceptional talent and a, and it seems like a really good teammate. I just, to me, the positional value like you look at James Robinson from Jacksonville, he he was undrafted, I think, or a fifth a late round pick, um, and he was a, he finished top five in rushing. So, um, I just think that you can find uh, as much as I love those two guys, and I definitely would take a look because I think it would boost Zach Wilson's um, ability to to improve uh, early on because you have a, a nice running back to lean on. I think that you want explosive players, but running back to me is is very it's like a revolving door. Um, it's very rare to see a guy play his whole career as a running back these days. Um, so I think that those guys would be definitely improve our roster, but I just don't know if they're going to be on the team long-term. That, that's yeah, my no, that's a good point. I think that's a good point. I, I love those guys too. It'd be really hard for me as Joe Douglas to not take a Najee Harris or a Travis Etienne. Just I, I don't think he will. I really don't. I don't, I don't either. Will. I don't either. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have some other running backs in this draft, Javante Williams at North Carolina. Yeah. There's some good players. Um, for you, sure. know, you could I grab maybe think... in the third, the third round, potentially. I think that's third round seems like a sweet spot for third, fourth backs, round. Yeah. Backs, you know, where you can still get enough talent um, where they can contribute. Um, but we need somebody, we need to hit on one of those mid round picks. From an offensive to. standpoint. I think we, we have not really hit on mid-round offensive talent. You know, you have these other teams that really hit on these guys in those mid-rounds and they turn into these top five backs, top top ten receivers. You know, I think Denzel Mims is promising. We got him in the second round, but he's not going to be a number one receiver. Um, I think we, we have to say, who, who can we get in those third and fourth rounds that can actually turn into something? Obviously, you won't know for a little bit of time, but you have to hope Douglas and his team can identify some some hidden talent, you know. So, I don't know what, what's going to happen there. I do think, you know, you make a good point about running back at twenty three or thirty four. Who would you like to see them take at thirty four? Um, thirty four. So second round, first, you know, first pick we have. In the uh, it's hard to tell because of so many mock drafts. Seeing who's falling, who's not. Um, I really, really like. Um doubling down with with Lyman obviously I've said that um I really like Creed Humphrey if he's there um I like you know Wyatt Davis if he's there 
Um, I like you know who I love who's not going to be at thirty four is is Trey Smith out of Tennessee. He's a uh, he was a guard. He's I think he's a left guard. Um, uh, and he's just really physical run blocker. Um, but I think I, I, again I don't think thirty he's worth the thirty fourth overall pick. But um, you know potentially a receiver as well. I think. I'm just all about offense this draft. Um, I think our defense will be good enough to put ourselves in positions to win um, as long as we score points. And, and as you saw last year, you know, our defense for three straight games held teams like under two touchdowns and, and our offense exploded. Um, I'm sorry, not last year, two years ago uh, when our defense was, um, you know, pretty solid at best. So, um, that was the year where a ton of guys got injured. Adam Gase's first year, um, and we won games because you know they played decently well, and our offense put up points. So it, I think it's just a, a league of offense. And if we don't take guys that are going to help us help Zach Wilson get better, then uh, I don't know what we're doing. No, I think that that's a great that's a great point. Like it, if your defense can hold up, just just keep teams like in the low twenties, right. Or, or, you know, something like that or, or below 20, you know, uh, points a game you're, you're looking, you know, your offense should be able to win you that game. So I think you have to put your bet, you know, put your chips on the offense, say, let's, let's get it. Let's get an offense that could score 28 to 35 points a game. You know, that we believe our defense can hold teams below that. You know, we just need to build an offense. I also believe that, Putting a, a putting a legitimate young guard next to Makai Becton is not only going to make us better, but it's going to accelerate Makai Becton's uh, ability. So, like, if you bring in uh, a solid, really, you know, promising guard, um, Makai is only going to get better. Um, so, you want to maximize your young talent. So, you, yeah. you bring in. No, I think that's you good. bring that's in guys like that. You take a receiver. That can you know be a, you know really explosive. That's going to help Mims's development, and not to mention Corey Davis is young. So having that again, having that type of um, receiver come in, he's still developing. Um, bringing in uh, a guy that can step in if somebody gets hurt, where you know that's been our issue the last few years with you know guys just completely getting hurt every single week. Um, not being able to go and, and not having any backups, you know, it's really hurt us. So I think depth is important, but you got to bring in guys that are going to help um, maximize the talent of the, the guys around them. And then they'll, the guys that like Makai Becton will help maximize, you know, our, our young, you know, offensive line, it, it, as long as um, the picks are made that, that make the most sense. So I think if you take a guy, not only is he, could he, improve the team, but also help, you know, accelerate everybody around him, which is what I'm trying to say, which is pretty, pretty obvious. But I think taking a corner and things like that is great. Um, but I think you can go all offense and try to accelerate that process. I think, I think, you know, yeah, I think one thing that drove me mad during free agency was the amount of people that wanted to only have one good player at every position. Whereas we have a team that gets injured constantly. You know, I hope that that stops soon, but at the same time, you know, you don't just not draft a great player because you already have a player that fits that mold. So if you look at, for example, on offense, like we have Corey Davis now, we have Denzel Mims, and we have Jamison Crowder. I had people telling me, oh, don't go get Kenny Galladay. Don't go get, um, you know, uh, 
uh, what's his name? Curtis Samuel, because we already have Jameson Crowder. He's a Curtis Samuel. We already have, you know, Denzel Mims. He's the same thing as, as Kenny Galladay. And I was just like, how many times have our wide receivers gone the entire season without getting injured? Literally, like, the I understand that these guys the – better. The more yeah, players I understand have, that these guys but... these guys are are redundant talents, but this is a league where players get hurt every two games, every three. You know, there's a hamstring. There's something they're out for four weeks, and your backup is is Jeff Smith. I mean, like that's what we're dealing with. So I just get get frustrated when right. I, I like that don't they don't want to go after players just because you know oh we already have a player like that. Well, players get hurt, and that's like what you're talking about with you know with going after these these players in the draft like go get a Rashad Bateman if you think he's going to be great. Like, go get, you know, go get these guards that you think are going to be able to help Mekhi Becton or even a tackle because you think, you know, that's going to take some pressure off if somebody gets hurt. You know, I think yeah, there's, I mean, just, there's just too much. around, too. Uh, yeah, there's, tackle, just, there's too much of that, like. They have the ability. Yeah. Yeah, there's just too much of that, like, oh, we, we just need 22, 22 great players. I'm like, well, no, like, you, you need probably, like, 35 guys that could actually start for your team. Like, you know, that, that would be competitive if they were put on a field, you, you know, you know, tw- having exactly the right amount of players is never a good idea. So, you know, I think, you know, if you, if, if Joe Douglas says, okay, I want to build this offense and these players are sitting there at, at 23 and 34 that can make this offense a better group of, of players, go and take them, even if they're redundant. Because you look at you look at the Cowboys. They took C.D. Lamb last year. They already had Amari Cooper. You know, they, they already Michael had Gallup. Michael Gallup. They, you know, they have these – they're like, let's go and make our quarterback's life even easier. And especially if somebody gets hurt, we now have another elite talent we could put on the field. You know, and, and so I, I, I hate that argument of, oh, we already have a player like this, so don't take him, um, especially with offense. Yeah, I agree. So for for this draft, what's your ideal scenario if you're coming out of rounds one and two, um, and then you can just in general, you know, what positions do you want to see filled for this draft and, and improved? Um, guard, corner, and some depth at, depth at receiver. Maybe a sneaky tight end, um, sneaky good tight end. Late, I like the kid from um, Duke. Uh, Noah Gray, I believe his name is. He's very shifty and, and he's big and he can and he can run really nice routes. Um, can definitely help Zach out. Um, obviously, you know you never know how these guys will be in the NFL, but you know he he seems really like he would be a nice transition to the NFL. Um, based on his play style as a tight end. Um, I think there's you know I, I would I mean it, it's it's not a, it's not a fun pick, but if you can hit on a couple linemen, you know, we, then we can start drafting some fun, like some really fun players in the future. Like if we can hit on, you know, one or two linemen in the draft and then just pair them with Makai and then really only have maybe one, you know, lineman to fill, you know, every two years, like just to rotate whoever we can pick up in free agency or whatever it is and not have to you know, consistently worry about who we're going to take at line or who's going to start at line uh, on the line. I'm sorry. Um, I think, we could end up taking some even more explosive players next year and the year after, as long as we just fix that line. Because I think if we take the quarterback, we take some linemen, our receivers are are, are good enough to, right now to at least make plays. Um, and that's what we want: competitive football and, and an exciting offense. So um, I just hope we can figure it out this draft and and not have to 
watch a guy come in and, and try to make excuses for him like we've done the last, you know, 15 years. Uh, so I'm just hoping we can figure it out. Yeah, so I think for, for me, so I give I give Douglas an off-season grade currently of like a C plus. I think, you know, he brought in an exciting couple players that are going to help with Lawson and Davis. Um, you know, at the same time, he really has not addressed our biggest needs on the offensive line or corner. We really have, yeah, Mackay Beckton plus – uh, two bad guards, an average to below average center, and an average at best right right tackle. So I think for me, you know, to, for him to get from a C plus off season grade to an A, he's got to get this quarterback selection obviously right. But I'll I'll assume that he's taking Wilson, and that we won't know that answer for a while. Um, and then I think he's got to probably get at least two guards in this draft, um, whether it be in the you know with twenty three and thirty four or 34 and the, the third rounders. Um, but I think he's got to hit at least on two guards. So either a Vera Tucker um, or put Tevin Jenkins at guard and have bring in a Wyatt Davis or, or Creed Humphrey in the second round. Um, and then I think like you're saying, adding a little bit more of that high upside depth with a wide receiver, maybe in the mid rounds or two, um, and then, you know, maybe a mid-round running back like, uh, you know, Williams at North Carolina. And then I think, you know, adding, adding a corner, adding, you know, um, the, the, these other types of positions tight end, I think it's, it's a good, good approach. Um, I think if you can do it with get the value for it, that's great. But I just feel like corner is not going to be his priority this draft. I just have a feeling. And, and I think that, you know, he's probably going to address the O-line uh, and maybe get some additional playmakers. So yeah, I think it's you know, think an exciting that time. Would give him, that would give him an A in my book for the offseason if he could do that, um, you know, and, and feel good about going into this fall with a roster that can compete um, and then hopefully compete, you know, for a playoff spot in 2022. Maybe go, at, you know, get that line right, get the quarterback going, and then in, in 2022 – go after this elite wide receiver talent in the draft. And, you know, these guys that can really change the game for you, um, right. you know, these elite edge rushers, things like that. So you have to get the other pieces right first. So I think that you make a good point there. And, and hopefully he gets that done this offseason. Yep. Uh, so that that's all I had for today. You know, yeah. I don't think I have any crazy bold predictions at this point. I think my only bold prediction would be that he – shocks the world and takes Justin Fields instead. But even myself thinks that's probably not going to happen. So um, anyway, you know, I think, I think we've mostly covered what's coming with this draft. We'll probably do a post draft reactions podcast next week um, or the week after uh, just to, to give our reactions to everything that happens this Thursday night. Uh, But Ryan, thanks for hopping on Uh, everybody. Enjoy the draft. It is a big fun night for all of us. Uh, hopefully you're all excited by the end of night one. You know, let's put our faith in Joe Douglas and his team and, and get excited to watch Sala coach this team in the fall. So uh, I think that's going to do it for us today, Ryan. Uh, anything you want to say before we hop off? Uh, no. I'm excited and uh, stay healthy, everybody. All right. Grab the popcorn. Enjoy those Goodell hugs on Thursday. And we will see you guys after the wrap. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Jet Up. If you could spare two minutes and go leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, 
and consider writing a short review of the show, it would mean a lot. This is the main way we grow our podcast audience. Until next time, this is Jet Up.